you're a busy person trying to juggle all the things. You wanna, you wanna look your best, you wanna feel your best, you wanna perform your best, but you don't want just doing the fitness to be your whole life. You got a lot going on. So in this episode, we'll identify and annihilate some common obstacles or roadblocks to eating healthy and blast through some of the most common myths about healthy eating. Stay tuned. Welcome to the CrossFit Edwardsville Community Podcast, where we hear and learn from our coaches, CrossFitters, and Glen Ed community leaders. Now, here are your hosts, Dallas and Greg. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the CrossFit Edwardsville podcast, community podcast, uh, where we are going to meet and we're going to get to really know more about some of our coaches. We're going to know more about our CrossFitters and our community here at CrossFit Edwardsville. Plus, we want to create an avenue for, you know, the above and beyond the, the coaches, the community themselves to share their stories, as well as learn about maybe some of our locally owned businesses, some of the characters behind them. Uh, I'm Dallas Amston. I'm your co-host along with G-Skell. G-Skell, how the heck are you, man? Feeling good, man. Feeling good. It's so a beautiful day. You're a husband, a father, the CEO at CrossFit Edwardsville. Just for those who don't know, um, you're a doctor of physical therapy. You've spent the last 18 years learning, practicing the art, science, and psychology of nutrition, You know, looking better, feeling better, performing better. And uh, I should say this, despite your genetic heritage of obesity, hypertension, diabetes, and glaucoma, you've managed to maintain a sub 10% body fat and competitive CrossFit performance year over year without drugs and even pushing 40 years old. Congratulations <laughs> on that one. Um, and so we're going to be talking with you a little bit here today too, but yeah, glad to have you here, brother. Um, and our other two folks on the podcast with us today are Coach Kelsey Albers. Kelsey, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. And uh, so, Kelsey, you're a wife, a mother, uh, nutritional therapy practitioner, strength coach. And I'm going to ask you about this at some point, Kelsey, mm -hmm. a regenerative farmer. Mm -hmm. um, you're the founder of Ignite Nourish Thrive, and that's a health coaching practice, everybody, mm -hmm. where Kelsey shares um, her continuing journey to balance living with multiple sclerosis, uh, being a wife, being a mom, and living a radically authentic life. Um, Kelsey is also directly responsible for hundreds, hundreds of jaw-dropping physical, emotional, and relational transformations in people who've worked with her to dial in their healthy eating habits. So welcome, Kelsey. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, as always, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Coach Sean. Was that a big enough introduction, Sean? I'm, I'm interested as to where the legend comes in. Oh, you are legend, Gary. <laughs> I did it already. So, uh, so for those of you who don't know Sean Crocker, um, he is one of our coaches at CrossFit Edwardsville as well, and uh, he's a WAG credentialed nutrition coach. That's the Working Against Gravity WAG organization, and an AFAA and NASM approved coaching program that empowers clients to lose weight gain muscle, increase performance, and feel better than ever through the power of customized one-on-one -on -one nutrition coaching. So um, this year, he is also the Edwardsville Intelligencer's award-winning best fitness and weight loss coach for 2020. Going to give it up. Props to Sean. Um, and you lead, most, you lead coaching for most of the clients at CrossFit Edwardsville, as well as being our programmer there. And uh, you recently joined the CFE nutrition coaching team. So welcome to the, welcome to the podcast again, Sean. 
Thanks. That's a mighty introduction. Hopefully I can uh, <laughs> hold up to it. Well, it's, it's, I think it's all going to go, go higher from here. So um, just everybody, just so you know, CrossFit Edwardsville.com is a great resource for uh, all of your needs. We've got uh, the WAD doctor himself there, G scale, several of his eBooks. You can book more information and find out more, but really today, what we want to talk about is we want to talk about all things nutrition and all, all three of you, um, you have your expertise in this field. I'm sure there might be some diverging angles at which you come at nutrition, but really what we want to do is we want to kind of have one of our first conversations, uh, and pick your brains about how we, as, um, not just athletes, CrossFit athletes, but as everyday people can overcome some of those common obstacles and misperceptions about healthy eating, kind of in our quest to look and feel and even perform at our best. So I'm going to just throw it, Kelsey, I'm going to throw it at you first, and then we might just go around the horn or let's see how we organically roll here. Why does healthy eating matter? Why is it worth our time? Uh, it matters because we matter because you matter, because every single person who is listening to this matters. And in order to live our best life, we have to feel our best. We have to be uninflamed. We have to be uh, thinking clearly. Um, and I believe we were all put on this earth for a purpose. And how in the world can we live out our purpose if we feel terrible all the time? Yeah, that's good. Um, you said an interesting word there, uninflamed. And I'm yeah. sure we're going to talk about inflammation a little bit, but mm -hmm. um, why do you just tell me why you think uh, uninflamed is an important part to that whole? Um, inflammation is the this foundation or this the start of disease processes in our body. So um, that I mean, it all starts there. Most or you can track lifestyle diseases back to it. You can track injury in the gym back to it. You can track. Um, foggy headedness back to it. So, so it's all of these little things that make up <clears throat> the quality of our life back to inflammation. Yeah, that's intriguing. Um, Sean, what about you, man? Let's, um, and I'll start featuring you each as we, uh, as we talk a little bit more here, but Sean, uh, she mentioned several things there. Do you have anything to add to why healthy eating matters? Why is it worth our time? I think, I think Kelsey kind of hit the nail on the head. I think kind of elaborating on that. Like if we're looking to maximize our performance, if we're looking to maximize just how we're feeling just throughout the day, I mean, there's nothing wrong with having more energy, with feeling better, with looking better. Um, diet kind of, it, it fits into and expands everybody's goals regardless of what they are. So mm. kind of following up what Kelsey said. Yeah, and G, anything else to add to that, to that? Yeah, there, there is nothing that makes a bigger impact in how you look, how you feel, how you perform than how you nourish your body. That the, the, the foods that you eat, the things that you drink, things that you eat and don't eat, those are the things that are the key drivers in, I, I would go so far as to say, is your quality of life. And I think there's a good reason why CrossFit in their, their hierarchy, their little triangle, the absolute foundation, the base of the pyramid is nutrition because it is it is the ground, is the, the foundation for everything else you want to do with your health. And I'm, I'm, I know we're going to get more into some of the methodologies and various aspects of, of nutrition as it goes along. But um, one of the things that I remember hearing somebody say, uh, a fellow CrossFitter had said they think about it as working out seven times a day, once at the gym and six other times in the kitchen. 
I found that to be an intriguing way to think about it. Um, do, do any of you have any thoughts on that? I agree. And I think that it's not even just working out, it's prioritizing recovery through that workout. So um, mobility is just as important as what you're actually, um, how you're lifting and, and all of that. So I look at nutrition as not necessarily that it's just as important, but it is a part of the recovery process. Interesting. Yeah. Some recoveries are diff more difficult than others. <laughs> some, some days where it's a little more leg focus and uh, it's a little more painful. So do you think that's, a, I mean, you think the less inflamed or the more, more nutrition focus that you have, Kelsey, the quicker all those recoveries happen? Oh, for sure. Because um, in order for your body to recover and to repair muscle, you need to be nutrient sufficient. So have enough and proper ratios of uh, protein, carbohydrates, fat, but also micronutrients, minerals, you know, things like magnesium are critical um, to recovery, electrolytes, all of that plays into your recovery game. So, Sean, I'm going to throw a question at you here, uh, which is this idea, you know, you, you and I have talked about this offline. For instance, my schedule is crazy some days. And, um, and so, trying to balance this idea of, is it really practical? Is it really possible to kind of fit healthy eating into a lifestyle where I have, um, where I'm usually at work about 10 hours a day. Uh, I, I walk in the door, kids need everything. The spouse needs everything. By the time we get them down at night, I have three young kids. And by the time they're down at night, I'm wiped. Um, and there are certain days I, it's, uh, what would I say? I would say it's probably unintended intermittent fasting because I haven't eaten myself all day. So is yeah. it really possible um, to eat healthy all the time when you've got a crazy schedule? Oh, sure. So I just, one note, I just saw someone peeking their head behind Greg and it, <laughs> it drew my attention. Um, you need me to ask yeah, the question I mean, again? <laughs> I think Kelsey would probably agree. Greg would probably agree too. Like most of the clients, if not all of the clients that we're working with all have so much going on. Um, it's just, especially now, like parents are also now teachers and right. You know, like we have so many different things kind of happening. Like, uh, I think kind of one of the biggest misconceptions is that eating healthy and taking care of yourself requires like a full-time job. Cause you know, you like, you see like professional athletes, like they have cooks and they have people delivering and hand making their food and right. doing all of this stuff for them. And it kind of gives us a, this, this, it makes the concept look so much more, grandiose and complex than it actually is but there are i mean there are so many different ways that you can take some of that burden off of yourself and set yourself up for success even if you've got 13 kids that are all now all of a sudden at home 24 hours a day mm -hmm. and you know you're trying to balance that with work life and you know still trying to get into the gym too i think it's i think it, it's a again like i said it's a common misconception and i think it's a dangerous one because it's stopping so many people from actually kind of taking that next step into that journey and actually starting their, their nutrition protocol and starting to take care of themselves in that way. The nutrition protocol, explain that a little bit for us, Sean. Oh gosh. Um, nutrition protocol. So, you know, just how much you're eating. Kelsey's over here laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Better than be, me. <laughs> even like a protocol itself can be as simplistic as like eat whole foods and stay away from sugars. It can be even more complex, like down to like the timing of your meals. Um, that's just kind of, I use kind of protocol as a grossly encompassing concept to cover nutrition in general. 
Okay. So, uh, G. Skell, qu question for you then, as far mm -hmm. as that. I mean, because you and I had a conversation just a week and a half ago about I was tired of thinking about my macros. I was tired of tracking right. them in the app and all of that because it was like one more thing on my brain power. So what are, besides this idea of, uh, for me, it was brain power tracking macros. Uh, what are some of the more common obstacles or roadblocks that you see to healthy eating? I know of four big ones. The, the, most, the most common one is time. People concerned about the time commitment because we're all very, very busy. We have a thousand things demanding our attention at all times. We have jobs, spouses, kids, responsibilities, hobbies. So that's the first one. Second one is money, because I think a lot of people believe that healthier eating costs more. So money's the second one. Family, I think is the third one. And what I mean by that is a lot of times, if you are looking to embark on a healthy eating journey, your significant other or your kids, yeah. they may not be interested in doing the same thing. And how do you navigate that? So that's a third one. And then there's always questions about sustainability, like the, the balance between what works and what is livable for a long enough time to make it the sort of thing where your results stick. Mm -hmm. So like, how do I know, like, what do I do? Do I, can I live with this diet forever? That's always a question people have. And if I can't live with it forever, is it worth the time and the trouble? Is it worth bothering if I can't do this thing forever? So that's sure. what I uh, Sean, Kelsey, any any other thoughts on that? I mean, uh, he mentioned time, money, family, sustainability. Can either of you toss anything else that you're thinking about onto uh, that list? <laughs> I do. And I think this is one thing that I've really started incorporating with, with my nutrition clients is uh, understanding your own personality. So... Um, we have this belief that the way I approach nutrition is how everybody else should. And um, we live in a world of everything in moderation. And that works great if you're a moderator. However, there's two personalities here. There's a moderator and an abstainer. And moderators have to do moderation because when they have things pulled away, then they get like really freaked out. Like I can't, I can't give that up. But an abstainer is somebody where just one bite of a certain food for me, I'm an abstainer. So any chocolate, any sugar just lights up an area in my brain for a binge. Um, sure. so I can't moderate. There are some foods that I cannot eat or else I expect to binge. I expect to have to white knuckle through the next several days. So, sure. um, I think it is important when we talk about obstacles to nutrition and sustaining a program is you really have to know yourself and you have to know where your weaknesses are and your strengths are and play to them. That's good. I like that a lot. Um, that definitely is something that I struggle with because I'm, uh, my wife jokes that I have to be a sugar ninja black belt and I have yeah. to fully cinch it up because mm -hmm. it, it's like, if, if there's one drop, it's like all the mm -hmm. heroin addiction stuff yeah. in my brain lights up. And it's like, Hey, hey. Yeah. but you conventional know. wisdom says you should, if you can't moderate it, then, then what's wrong with you. Right. And it's my husband's a moderator and I'm an abstainer. And there have been some tension. There's been tension from this because he eats one pizza bite of a candy bar and then puts it away. And then I squirrel away and eat it after he goes to bed because right. it's I'm obsessed with the fact that it's there. So, um, so yeah, you have to, it's hard to be married to the opposite because they, it's just, yeah. you just, it's hard to understand. I totally am married. My wife is so moderate. <laughs> yeah. she's, she's and, and, and Sean and, and G scale know her, but she's so moderate and mm -hmm. she can eat like, 
she'll put out 10 potato chips when she's wanting <laughs> potato chips. Right. And that's it. And that's all that happens. Right. And she goes, I'm good. I'm satiated. I got my salty fix. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and meanwhile, if she's baked cookies, right. I'm laying in bed at 3 a.m. <laughs> Why are you awake? And I go, I can hear them. That definitely is me. So personality type, I think, is a good mm -hmm. one. Sean, what about you? Um, obviously, you can see the list here. We got time, money, family, sustain long-term sustainability and personality type. Is there any that you can think to add to or expound upon on this list? Um, I think they, they covered it pretty, pretty well. Um, I think kind of like looking at like probably one of the hardest things for people to to overcome when looking at like long-term nutrition is just the the idea that like if you screw up a little bit it's not the end of the world mm -hmm. right like one day like you know we've got christmas coming up in a couple of days and that's where guess what most people are gonna fall off right, right? They're gonna, they'll get on it in the new year it's right. the idea of understanding that like one off day or god forbid one off meal isn't going to undo all of the process Sure. learning how to to accept that you you maybe went off the reservation a little bit but tomorrow's a new day like it's you know you, you, it's just kind of maintaining that not letting those little kind of curves in the road throw you off mm -hmm. well and that, i think sean that kind of speaks to this idea of sustainability a little bit that that g had mentioned a few moments ago of when you're working with a client and and we can toss this at all three of you, but when you're working with a client, obviously there's the point where they need to just lose the 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, whatever amount of pounds, X amount of pounds they want to lose. And so the nutrition, probably the game plan looks a little different than when they hit closer to their you know, fat percentage or target weight or whatever that goal might be, then sustaining from then on out. So Sean, how for you, how do you shift that thinking for the person to go out of, I need to burn a bunch of, I need to burn off a bunch of stuff versus now I need to maintain a lifestyle of eating and sustainability. Yeah, it can be really hard, especially coming out of a cut. Like I've got a client right now that's really, really close to her goal weight. And it's right. We've been having the conversation of like what maintenance looks like, right? Um, it's just kind of getting them comfortable with the idea that their weight might go up a little bit but now they're going to be you know they're not going to be as in the hole as far as like caloric intake mm -hmm. that in all likelihood they're probably going to have a little bit more energy they might have a little bit more strength now that we have cut the weight off um and it's just kind of setting up realistic expectations on kind of what what the future is going to look like and then hopefully by that time we've set such good habits on food selection and you know how to set up like an appropriate plate that that those skills have kind of carried over so that they don't need i mean my goal at least as a nutrition coach is to give the the client the tools so they don't need to pay me every day for the rest of their life <laughs> right? like, like honestly like you know it's not nutrition isn't like rocket science like you don't need like super you know in-depth mm -hmm. uh like equations to kind of get your way through it so it's, it's, it's kind of from day one, setting up the expectations and just giving them the tools so that they can make it through the rest of their life without kind of going back to what led them to us in the first place. Sure. Kelsey, any thoughts on additions to that? Uh, I think uh, Sean did a great job of like, he hit the nail on the head. Um, the one way that I approach it is what is sustainable for today? Like we have a tendency when we look at a nutrition plan, like, can I maintain this at my children's wedding in 25 years? Right. 
that doesn't matter right now. Like, let's talk about what's good for you today. Um, and, and so what's sustainable changes, right? So let's say we had somebody who hits their goal weight and they're really happy and they just want to learn how to maintain this weight and how they feel. But somebody else might say, you know what, I really think I want to try like a, a physique composition or competition. And then it's a different comp uh, conversation. So um, what's sustainable for today? And then always come back to what is the goal of what we're doing together. Yeah, that's good. G, I see you uh, nodding there. What do you want to add to that? Just agreeing. That's all. <laughs> they articulated it well. I have nothing to add to that. Oh, well, man, come on. Well, then, since you're already featured here and I'm talking to you, I'm going to ask you the next question. We'll start with you. Is sure. really this idea, um, we talking about this obstacle, but the other question I'd like to ask is what are some of the most common misperceptions about healthy eating? And I think we've kind of alluded to a few of them, but how sure. would you answer that question? I've got three. I know there's more than this. These are the three that I really wanted to highlight. The first one is that food is the enemy somehow. Like this is you versus food. And I feel like that that misperception is very, very destructive because if it's if you're spending your life trying to treat avoid a relationship with food because you think that food is your problem then you're gonna have a very hard time creating any kind of healthy lifestyle for sure. So food is the enemy, that's the first one. The second one is that calories are the most important variable and that calories in, calories out is the most important equation. Okay. So that's the second one. And then the third one is that healthy eating is a suffering contest or that healthy eating is all about eating less. <laughs> Those are my three. Uh, I, I like all three of them. I think we could probably peel apart all three. Uh, you know, everybody here could take a crack at the bat here, but I want to want to lob it at uh, at Sean and Kelsey. Do either of you have any others that you can think of to add to that list? Food is the uh, enemy. Calories are the most important variable, and health eating healthy eating is a suffering concept. <laughs> I, I really like that last one, Greg. Like if you um, are suffering eating healthy, like find a new blog to follow because there are so many right. recipes yeah. on the internet that are so delicious and so fulfilling. Like it's it's amazing. Um, I think the other one that I would add, um, and, and this kind of comes back to what you were talking about earlier, Greg, with, with my family isn't on board or, um, and we see this a lot right now with holidays coming up is what will Aunt Sally think? if I refuse her pie, right? Um, right? You don't owe anybody an explanation for how what you put into your mouth. Like that's right. a, a fact. And I think sometimes we get so caught up in, in what's my family gonna say? What's this person gonna think? Like, it doesn't matter. Like you have, again, you are worth it um, and do it because you are worth it and do it because you need to live your best life. And you don't need to apologize for that either. Right. Mm -hmm. You don't have to apologize for making healthy choices. Right. That's good. Yeah. Uh, if I could add one, I think that like we hit like really good ones and generally like a kind of more macro view, but kind of looking at like every, like everybody should be on the same diet when mm -hmm. in reality, like that's a good one. Well, you know, if like keto might work great for Dallas, but like, and you go, I know it doesn't work for me. Right. Right. So, like, you know, and that's kind of where we as coaches come in. That's kind of how we help people through it is like, um, some things were like some people respond really, really well to carbohydrates. Some people blow up like a balloon, right? Right. So, uh, I think just kind of adding that, like everybody's nutrition journey is going to be unique, and you shouldn't 
feel bad because your BFF is keto and you're over here eating rice like it's going out of style. <laughs> and it is not going out of style. We should preface that for everybody listening. It, there, is a, there is plenty of rice. Um, so I, I, I love the idea here. If we can sit here, everybody, uh, just for a few minutes, let's kind of break some of these down one by one because uh, I think this is a great list. So Food is the enemy. Um, Gee, you brought that one up. So I'm going to toss it to you first. Talk about that just a little bit. And uh, then we'll see what others can add. And then we'll move kind of to the second one. Just briefly, I feel like any kind of sustainable, healthy eating plan is developing a healthy relationship with food, where you don't perceive that you have to avoid food to succeed. You don't perceive that you have to run from it, but that literally like eating and, and, and having, having a positive relationship with food yeah. is an essential component to being able to stick to anything for a while. All right. Uh, Sean or Kelsey, anything you, either of you want to add to that? No, I think that's it. No, I think that, I think that covers mm-hmm. it. All right. I, I found, um, Gee, I found too that I, re- I remember there was a, I don't know, a meme I saw months ago that basically said, I don't work out to punish my body. I work out because right. I love my body. And right. I would, you know, take out workout and throw eat healthy. I don't eat healthy to punish my body. I eat healthy yeah. because I love my body. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say for me, I definitely have had a love-hate relationship with food because I don't feel like, um, back to the point, Kelsey, that you and I were talking about a few minutes ago with personality is um, I feel as though if I'm not being a black belt or a ninja, then it's going to control me. Mm-hmm. And so I have viewed it as a little bit of a war mm-hmm. against food. And I'm, I, I know I'm not alone in that because I've talked with others about that as well. Um, so give me a, give me a, um, what would be one single like practical step that I could say, this is a good way for me to start befriending food in a way that, that I can shift that. Because I know, I know I need to shift the thinking, but what's the one thing I can do to start the shift? Well, for you, because I know you, that you're an abstainer, um, I would say recognize that you probably have a voice of sabotage who's telling you food lies, who's telling you that uh, I have to have that cookie because they it'll make me feel better. It'll, it'll <laughs> scratch an itch. It'll, it'll, you know, it, I have to have that or... Um, Aunt Sally is going to be really mad at you. Um, you have to speak back at that voice of sabotage with truth, right? Like, no, Aunt Sally will not be mad at me. No, um, I cannot have one cookie because history tells me that I cannot um, have that. Like, I will eat 10 of them if I have one of them. So that's where I would start with you personally. Um, for the for anybody who's listening who may not relate to, to being an abstainer, um, I think that you have to find the good things, right? Um, the other thing that I see a lot on nutrition programs is like uh, free food. So f- food that doesn't, ha- you know, greens, broth, all of these things tend to be free food. I don't like to look at free or food as free or anything like that. Like every food has something uh, either positive or negative about it. So what is this positive thing about this chicken breast that I'm eating? What about this positive thing about this soup? And and just start to pull out like, what is this food doing for my body? Yeah. Okay. I, I can piggyback off of that too. Yeah, go for it. 
So, and we can get into like our, our strategies for how to address these things in a minute too, but yeah. something that, that we've discussed, Dallas, I think is very related to this topic is the idea that food is not a reward or a punishment. Yeah. It is not a reward. It's not a punishment. And I think a lot, a lot of people have this subconscious below the radar programming they're not even aware of because ever since we were little, I don't know about you guys, but ever since we were little, it was like family gatherings and celebrations for birthdays and holidays were where you would gift people food or where you would celebrate victories with food. And food became, whether we were aware of it or not, it was like a reward for good behavior. Like we did well in school, food is a reward for good behavior. Right. Right. Or the converse of that also just as damaging, I think, is the idea that if I don't do well, I skipped the gym today, therefore I'm going to punish myself. Maybe I don't use that word, but I am not going to have this food, this dinner. I'm going to skip dinner and go to bed without dinner because I need to, I need to reprimand. I need to discipline myself for skipping the gym today. I think that both food as a reward and food as a punishment are both similarly self-destructive thought patterns, I think. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. Um, Sean, I want to throw it at you here with uh, one of the other misperceptions that was in that list from earlier, this idea of calories are the most important variable. Um, that was one that G had, had popped up here. Obviously, we have been trained from time immemorial here in the U.S. Uh, food pyramid of uh, and which is wrong too. We don't need to get into all of that. But um, when it's run by a cereal maggot, but um, we are taught to think calories in is fuel, calories out. You know, m- more calories out than calories in is weight loss. So, so G brought this up that it's the most. It's not the most important variable. What do you think about that? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think there's there's so many variables. It's, um, there's so many things kind of at play here. I mean, like Kelsey brought up inflammation, right? Like you can, I mean, you can fill out your entire day with French fries from a caloric standpoint. Like, you know, I think we can all agree that like eating French fries for an entire day to fill your caloric needs is probably not going to lead to the long-term health. Right. Um, so like, yeah, they are, they're definitely an important variable. Um, as far as being the most important variable, I don't agree there. I don't even think it's the only variable, right? Like you look, you gotta, you break down calories and now you start to kind of get into like more macronutrients. Like you need proteins, you need fats for hormone function. Um, you need, you know, you don't need carbohydrates technically, but most people, you know, can use carbohydrates for energy. Um, protein is going to help you rebuild your muscles. You get beyond that, you go into your micronutrients where, you know, that's where like kind of the, the real fun stuff starts happening. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many things that would be detrimental to say that anything is the most important variable because they all kind of interplay with one another. Gotcha. Um, Kelsey, you want to, you want to jump on that? I, I hear you nodding along. So any no. additions to that? I think he hit it on the head, and I would say, too, that um, human beings are complex systems, and complex systems can't be broken down into simple concepts, right? So um, calories, yes, one factor. Macronutrients, yes. Micronutrients, yes. Happiness, fulfillment, like we could go on stress, sleep. They all matter. Yeah. Okay. 
G, what about you, man? Any any final thoughts on that calories before I kind of before we delve a little bit into misperception number three? Now let's go on ahead. Okay, we've covered well, it well. Since you're already talking, let's talk about that. Let's dive deep into number three here, which we said healthy eating is a suffering contest. I know we've kind of been talking about that a little bit here about punishing yourself or this or that, but uh, what do you what is your thinking on why it's not a suffering contest? Because if you're doing it right, healthy eating is kind of awesome, and the food is delicious. <laughs> That's the simplest answer, I think anyone, and I think all of us would probably agree to that, right? Yeah. <laughs> Do either of you, uh, Sean or Kelsey, have anything to add to that one? Uh, well, every you know, we talked about sustainability. Suffering is not sustainable. So if you're if it's if it's miserable, we have to find a, a different solution. Sure. Agreed. I would ask, like, have you ever tried cooking? Because food is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, you, you can get so uh, so in-depth with cooking or even, like, the most <laughs> a little salt, a little acid, a little fat, and you've got a great meal. Like, yeah. I would say that, like, if, if you truly believe that healthy eating is suffering, like, you need to experiment a little bit more in the kitchen because there is some really cool stuff to do. And healthy eating isn't just, like, pounding your face with kale. Like it's like, there's a lot of food out there and yeah. there's probably something for everybody that's healthy. I remember, I remember listening to, um, Alan Carr. He, he developed a method called the easy way. And one of the things he talked about was, uh, in the easy way, there's kind of two monsters. There's the big monster, which is the thinking. And Kelsey, you alluded to that a little bit ago that there, it's either a reward or like, I get pleasure from this, or I get comfort from this. But the small monster is just the cravings. But when he delved into, in the audiobook version, when he delved into this idea that candy is colored like fruit for a reason, mm. to attract our eye and to get us attracted to those things. But if we look at the actual fruit, it's more fulfilling, it's very flavorful, same with onions and garlic and all this mm -hmm. stuff. And John, I think you nailed it there. I think good cooking makes healthy eating a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Kelsey, you brought this misperception up, which is what will others think? And you mentioned mm -hmm. Aunt Susie. I, I feel sorry for your aunt, by the way. <laughs> I don't have an Aunt Susie. Oh, okay. You I use just... that name on purpose. <laughs> so I actually have a real Uncle Bob. So whenever anybody's like, well, Uncle Bob, <laughs> I have to think I actually have that guy as my uncle. So mm -hmm. talk to us a little bit more about this perception of what others think and why, why is that such a determiner in our nutrition journeys? Well... I and I I don't want to take a total pass on this, but I do wish I knew what why it was more like. We as human beings are so um, attuned to what other people are thinking of us, and that nutrition journey is just so much in with that. Like, um, and and I don't I wish I could have a better answer as to why we think that way, but I would say it is incredibly common. I see that a lot of times yeah. with my clients. Like, we're afraid to go. Um, to somebody's house and say no. Um, and I remember doing a video on this forever ago. Um, and it was specifically talking about giving up alcohol, right? Like, um, okay. go to a party and refuse a drink. And and don't say that you're an alcoholic and don't say that you're pregnant. Well, you guys wouldn't have to worry about that. But like, like don't give a reason other than I don't want to do it. Um, and people come out with like, judginess on it and sometimes it's our own perception and sometimes it is people who are uncomfortable with us making those changes um so i think what we need to do is is get really clear on our goals why are we doing this and understand that 
most part of the time people aren't really going to be judging you it's something that you're um, projecting onto them but maybe sometimes they are but why does it matter why do we have to worry about what other people think about the choices that we are making for improving ourselves so um yeah I, I remember a coach telling me one time uh one of my business coaches said you would care a lot less about what people think a bit about you if you understood how little people think about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's true. <laughs> um, I can weigh on this too, Dallas. Yeah, please. So I, I think there's two things. So I think the first is that food is so personal for so many people. And this part of it actually ends up being a point where for some people, the hardest thing about joining a nutrition challenge, for example, or a coaching program is they're worried that it will like at an identity level be some kind of, I don't know, recusement. It's gonna be like a, a judgment, like Kelsey said, on their, their as a person, who I am. Yeah. Eating is so personal and the foods that we eat are so personal. And especially around the holidays, so many people, I would wager that every one of us has somebody in our social circle who gives you food or makes you food as a way of expressing love for you. For sure. And if you decline that in their mind, it's almost a refusal of the love. Do you know what I mean? Sure. And the fact that it's that food is so personal and so relational can make it very complex, or at least in our heads, it becomes very, very difficult to say no. I still maintain, as you know, Kelsey and I discussed, that you don't have to apologize to anybody for saying no if it is the best for you to say no. You don't have to apologize to anybody for that. But the relational dynamics are very difficult. And I think the second thing that makes it so difficult is that we're all tribal by nature. And yep. we don't want to be the outlier in this party that right. we're at. We don't want to be the outlier at the family gathering the one person turning down the bread rolls the table, for example, because it makes us stand out. And a lot of people are still at a very subconscious, very soul level, very afraid of being ostracized from the group for anything. Yeah. Being the, the, the lone ranger, the lone wolf in any endeavor, including food, can be very, very scary. It can be very scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think what you said there, social creatures, tribal by nature, I think that's a huge part of this for sure. Um, Sean, you brought up another misperception here, and, and we're going to get into strategies in just a few minutes, but I, I really want to give you a chance to respond to this, Sean, and, and everybody else as well. Misperception number five about uh, healthy eating is this idea everyone should be on the same diet. Man, hit us with that. Tell, tell us what your thinking is there. Yeah, I mean, everybody's body is going to respond to things differently. Like there's like, you know, if you, uh, like Shaquille and, uh, Shaquille O'Neal and I are the same species technically, but we are very, very different. <laughs> right. Um, like what works for him or what works for G or Kelsey or Dallas, it's, it may or may not in all likelihood is probably not going to work for me. We expand that out to the human population and we're all from different cultures. We all have different, you know, heritage. Like, so, you know, like we're not all evolved kind of to follow the same diet. Mm-hmm. it's really important that we do kind of get some level of specificity to it. And even beyond that, I mean, we're, we're talking about like emotional ties to food. Like some people are just going to prefer fatty foods more, right? Some people are going to prefer carby foods more or protein dense foods more. 
like I've got a whole group uh, text chain of like uh, smoking meat people that we kind of go back and forth. Like, again, that's pretty much all fatty meat. Right. Right. So we, we've got to take all of that stuff into account. And this kind of ties back into sustainability as well. Right. So again, there's so many kind of factors that are playing into it. It would be almost criminal to say like everybody should be keto or everybody should be paleo or everybody should follow zone or, you know, insert whatever, you know, diet into the, into the equation you want to, but it, not everybody's going to thrive and enjoy every single diet out there. So it needs to be kind of taken into account, personalization, emotions, cultural heritage, upbringing, things like that. So do you think, Sean, and, and Kelsey and G, I, I see G writing some notes here, so he's going to have something to say about this too. But um, do, you, do you, Sean, see this as uh, why does something, let's use keto as an example. In the last few years, keto blows up. And, you know, it was, it was Atkins a few years before that. And it was this and that. What do you think, um, why do you think something becomes so popular outside of the pure marketing dollars behind it? I mean, marketing can definitely play a role into it. I think specifically like the time that it takes to see results on specific diets is significantly faster with certain things. Sure. Uh, I think keto is a great example of that because you can, you can drop some serious weight really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's a lot more digestible for people, right? If, if I tell you like, I'm going to put you on this diet and in two weeks, you're going to lose 10 pounds it sounds a lot better than, Hey, let's put some real hard work into some sustainable goals here and, you know, habit forming. And then in two months, you're probably going to be down 10 pounds, right? It's, it's, it's a much easier sell. Yeah. So I think, you know, you get maybe some less experienced coaches or you even, even beyond that, like you see like Instagram posts, like I lost such and such pounds with a keto mm-hmm. diet and that kind of catches on with people spreads like wildfire. I mean, we're in a very much social media age right now. Yeah all of this stuff just spreads so fast. It just needs a little bit of attention from the right people. I think, you know, Atkins was very similar to that. It didn't hurt that they had like their little, you know, bars that they were selling at Walmart. So it's very, right. uh, I think all of those things kind of play into it. And then again, there's nothing wrong with any of those diets. They have their time in place. I don't mean to like pick on keto necessarily. No, we're just using that as an example. Right. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So Kelsey, I see you nodding along here and, uh, you've got some thoughts on this too, as far as the same diet. Yeah. Um, the other thing I would add, I think Sean did a great job of breaking down a lot of important factors, but the other thing is, is what are the goal? Like, um, or what is the goal and, um, what is the activity like? Right. So the, the macros I'm going to write for somebody doing CrossFit are not going to be the same as what I write for somebody who wants to run marathons. And they're not going to be the same as what I write for somebody who's doing yoga and walking. So, um, what, what is your activity like? And, and the role of carbs, you know, when we look at, at you know, something like keto, like just to, again, I don't want to be on keto either. Cause I do, I think it has a time and a place. Um, but I see a lot of people really trying to push keto into really high intensity, long duration workouts like CrossFit and burning out after a couple of weeks. So, um, some people can do it right. But not sure. everybody can. And, and we just, again, humans are complex complex systems so we need yeah. to be aware of that yeah that's good uh g what about you i saw you again saw you writing some notes what do you want to add to this no it's actually actually what i was thinking is we uh we had a, a two-part conversation initially planned for today where we first like outlined misconceptions bad advice about healthy eating i thought you know 
it actually may make sense for us to like wrap up this podcast on that topic and then save strategies. The second part, save like strategies and like tactics for overcoming as like a part two to this. That's not a bad idea. Um, I, you know, I think that's good. I think this, uh, this idea of misconceptions is really strong and powerful because I think, and I think part of it, everybody is this idea of there's so much information out there mm-hmm. and available. And, and that's a question I wanted to ask each of you too, is um, with the vast amount of information, I mean, I've had people send me books, eat for your blood type, mm-hmm. eat, you know, intermittent fasting, all of those elements too, that are those small things and tips and tweaks and, and Mediterranean, not just keto, Mediterranean, paleo, this, that, and the other. I guess one of the questions is how do you determine it with your clients? I think that's a, like, and if, if I'm a client looking to talk with any of you about this, what's some of the questions that I can maybe come into the conversation with? You know, I think um, because, again, there's a glut of information and misinformation out there. So, one, if I want to talk with you about it, what's some questions that might be smart for me to ask? And then, two, how do you help me determine? So who would like to jump into that first? So, so I have a couple of thoughts and I'm going to work into it backwards. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to go with number two first. Um, so um, the way I do it is I, so I think any, any nutrition coach is going to have an area of, of um, expertise that they sort of lean to. Right. And then, but a good nutri- nutrition coach will lean to that and then build on it based off of what they learn about you. Right. So um like when I start people, I start people on um, lower carb paleo. And this doesn't mean that it's necessarily low carb. It's just probably lower carb than what you were eating on a standard American diet. And then I build from there. Um, and we, I like to tell people, give it four to six weeks to see how you're feeling, set some habits, and then we can adjust from there. Um, and then as far as from that perspective, a client coming in, um, I need you to be really clear on your goals. And and I think that's really important. Is it fat loss? Is it muscle gain? Um, are you just looking to reduce inflammation, feel better, be able to live a better quality of life for longer? Um, and then that helps me tinker and tool into what we're actually going to be doing and how I'm going to be programming for you. Because if you come, if I'm, if I'm out here writing out really specific macros and you're like, I just want to know how to not have my joints hurt anymore. Like those Mm -hmm. are, that's miscommunication right there. And we can address that. So again, come in really clear with what your goals, what do you want to see? What do you want to get out of um, your nutrition coaching? That's good, Sean. I'm going to toss that at you too. Um, Those two questions you see there, how do you help clients determine their pathway and what questions could they come in to help you determine that? Yeah, I think uh, Kelsey made a really good point. Like you need to be very honest with what your expectations are and you need to understand like if a coach tells you like, and eh, maybe that's not entirely reasonable in that time frame to be receptive to that. I want to lose 25 be- pounds in 10 days. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Which is great. Like that's an awesome goal and I'll do my best to help you get there as soon as I can, provided it's keeping you healthy, right? Sure. Um, so that like, Maybe think back, like, especially like if someone's done like kind of their own nutrition and almost everybody has in this space, like what worked really well for you and what did you enjoy and not enjoy about it? Because we've talked a lot about sustainability. If you're not going to enjoy it, then there's not really much reason to keep beating your head against the wall, trying to get to a goal following that. Yeah, that's good. Um, I mean, finding food preference and just being really honest about your current lifestyle. So like, I, I like to ask all clients, like, 
what does a typical day of eating look like for you? I'm not looking for your ideal day if everything goes perfectly. I'm looking for like, what what do you usually eat on like 90% of the time? Yeah. Right? So and like, I think it's very easy for, for clients and like myself included to kind of sugarcoat what we're eating. Like, yeah, if I think back, I like, yeah, I really want to eat, you know, all of this stuff and this timing, things like that. But in all likelihood, like life has a way of hitting us in the back of the head with a shovel. Yeah. And like what, what, what do you bias towards in those moments? Right. Cause that's really where we gotta, gotta put the work in and start figuring out processes to, to set you up for better success when that does happen. I think that's a huge point. And everybody, I'm going to stress that for you here. If you're listening or watching this, um, the idea of being completely honest and transparent because the accountability is only as good as your transparency. Yeah. And as yeah. coaches, we're not here to judge you. Like, I don't, yeah. again, I, I'm not going to say I don't care what you eat, but I don't care what you were doing before. Like, I just want to know. Yeah. That's, that's good, Sean. I think that's a really important uh, thing. Gee, what about you, man? What, uh, what additions can you think of to these? How, how you help clients determine their pathway and what questions they might ask or come in with? I like both what Kelsey and Sean have had to share on this topic. And to add to it, I think it's very important that the client outlines in a, as much specificity as possible, what is the win? What is the victory? Because I have coached clients. We went in and their extremely specific goal was they wanted to cut body fat. And we did an in-body test at the beginning, did an in-body test at the end, and we had extraordinary results with cutting body fat. But their weight was relatively similar. And they walked away with a sense of failure mm. because their weight hadn't changed. And I said, that is a distraction. That is a distraction. We have in-body proof. Your muscle is the same. Your fat is down. Any difference there is water. This is a distraction. You have your victory. Allow yourself that victory. It's very easy for all of us to get distracted by things that matter little. I did everything I wanted to do with this challenge, except that, you know, my family didn't enjoy the food. Or I did everything I wanted to do in this challenge, but the scale didn't change. The scale mm. is such a distraction for so many people. It's that can be discouraging as a coach and as a client. So I would say sure. like outlining clearly what is the target and then keeping that target. And there might be a few targets. Like sometimes the win isn't a physical change at all. Sometimes the win is I just feel better. I yeah. feel better about me. My energy is better. I don't walk around with this terrible persistent sense of guilt about what I ate the other day. And for so many people, guilt is such like they are so associated with like food and guilt that again it goes back to the relationship thing like you have to you have to espouse you have to foster a healthier mind space attitude towards food if you're going to make this sustainable i think one of the things you just said there too g um that made me spin off is this idea that um what the scale determines your identity and it determines yeah. your value and I think that's a misperception a lot of people have too. I mean, I know it's fed my values in a lot of ways over the years. Um, so I think that's good. So everybody, I hope you're getting some good takeaways from this because they're, they're throwing some good truth bombs on the table. I do think you're right, G. Um, I think we should save some of maybe the strategy breakdown things for another conversation. 
But I have one more question for you all, and this can even be a little fun. Uh, what is the most common bad advice you hear uh, about how to eat in a healthy way? What would be something that you're like, that is absurd? Oh, nobody is ready. Well, to I'm not it, but I, I, I don't Kelsey, Kelsey is winding up the fastball right can now. Can you see it? I can see it happening too. And, yeah, and I don't, I don't as well. The tracks. Kelsey, take it away. I've got, yeah. I've got two, but Kelsey, you go first. There's, there's several going through my head, and I'm trying to figure out how many people I want to just anger by saying some of these things. So I'm just going to go Put through it. Blast. So first of all, everything. Uh, just in case head. everybody, it's at Kelsey Albers <laughs> if you want to reach out to her. <laughs> um, well, first of all, I already said that everything in moderation, um, It when we talk about different nutrition plans for different people, a moderation approach assumes everybody has the same personality and same approach and we don't, right? So stop saying that, right? Like that's, when you see that, let's um eat low fat, right? Fat makes you get, fat makes you get fat. And that we know science is bearing out that it is not true. Um, and, and yes, too much fat can make you gain weight, right? It is very calorie dense, but we've talked about complex systems and all of that. So I don't want to go too far into that, but, um, this low fat myth, I think has caused a lot of harm over the last 60 to 70 years. Um, so that just absolutely drives me crazy. Um, and then this third one, again, it might make people feel uncomfortable, but I, it drives me crazy when I hear people endorsing plant proteins over animal proteins as a superior form of oh, protein. You're going to get hit up on yeah. this. Topic. I'm going to get hit and it's okay yeah. because I have science to back me up and it exists and we know <laughs> this, right? I'm not knocking plant foods. I'm not knocking plant protein, but plant protein is not on the same playing field as animal protein. Full stop. All right. They, I, I know there, there was a very popular uh, documentary that came out. I think it was on Netflix or something this last year about plant-based proteins. And it was all these athletes and things like that. Mm -hmm. But Sean, I'm going to let you, you can either weigh in on what Kelsey just said, or you can go in a different direction. What do you want to say to those? Uh, I mean, we can continue to upset vegans. I was vegan for 12 years, so I've got a lot of, uh, a lot of bullets on it. <laughs> uh, I think like the big one is just uh, constantly telling people to eat less or that they are eating too much. I think, you know, we go back to like misperceptions and like people thinking that you have to like not eat at all to lose weight. I think that's, again, it's a very dangerous mindset. I mean, I think a lot of times, and maybe Kelsey and G can weigh in on this, like, a lot of times nutrition clients like, I can't believe like I actually lost weight and I'm eating this much food. Like, that's a very, that's a common thing I see from people when they start actually eating like whole based foods and doing a little cooking for themselves. So I think I'll throw that one out there. Sure. I think too, you, you discover how much food you can actually get in, in 2000 calories when it's yeah. nutrient dense. Yeah. Versus, versus like a, a sleeve of Oreos. Right. right. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So, uh, G, what about you? What can you think of any other bad advice that you hear about eating? My absolute favorite one is the one that Sean just said. Like, oh man, I, I feel so bad when people believe that the only way to he eat healthy is to starve themselves. It just breaks my heart. I hate that. I hate that for them. I hate that they feel that way, and I hate that that like that is going to make healthy eating sound just awful for the rest <laughs> of their lives. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
that that's that one is the worst mm-hmm. all right that's good um well guys i think we i think we covered a lot of good stuff here uh today i want to take a moment and again i will we'll have you all back to discuss some of the strategies the tips the tricks all of those things and the variables uh in a more practical way but i think this was a good 30,000 foot high level view, obviously, uh, keto and veganism got a little banged up today. But I think you know what, I think they're going to make it I think they're going to be okay. They'll be okay. <laughs> um, so uh, real fast, everyone, just again, anything that you want to uh, reach out to CrossFit Edwardsville, you can check that out at CrossFitEdwardsville.com, CrossFitEdwardsville.com. And obviously, you can reach out to Gscale. Uh, he's the CEO here of CrossFit Edwardsville on uh, on Twitter. Or no, you're not on Twitter. It's on Instagram and Facebook, really. Uh, yes. His social handles at CrossFit Edwardsville, and of course, you you can reach Coach Sean too. Uh, he spells his Sean's with a V in his handle, so don't let that throw you off. But obviously, you can always reach out to him with questions or Coach Kelsey at Kelsey Albert, um, and all of them are available to help you out to help you chart that course for your nutrition life. And again, you can also visit CrossFitEdwardsville.com. There are some free eBooks and resources available, and you can find us on Facebook and on Instagram as well. Uh, Whether you're new to the journey or whether you're wanting to level up to the next thing, uh, CrossFit Edwardsville is a great place to hone your game. And I'll just say again, uh, coaches, thank you for your time today. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks, Darren. Thank you. Awesome. So everybody go out there and have a championship day.